We've noted it many times before that Jesus commands his followers to love one another. We hear it again today in the passage before us in John chapter 15. And I want you to go there with me. John's Gospel chapter 15. And we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 16 this morning. And at first glance, when you hear the command, you might have one of, of possibly two reactions. The first reaction might be this. When you hear the command that Jesus gives to all of his followers to love one another, you might, you might think, no problem. I love my friends. I love my family. I don't have any trouble loving those people dearest to me. I don't have any problem loving those who love me. The second reaction might be, well, love one another? That's impossible. I can't do that. Some people just can't be loved. Now, both reactions, I think, are fairly common. Both reactions are actually the way the world around us understands love. The world thinks of love in terms of feelings. The world bases their love on what feels good, and you can hear it in statements like, and maybe you've said this, it was love at first sight, right? We just fell in love, right? You also hear it in statements like this that aren't so pleasant. We just fell out of love. I don't feel like I can love that person anymore. And we need to see today, I mean, those are common ways the world talks about love, and maybe we've talked about love that way. We need to see today that Jesus has something far different in mind when he commands his followers to love one another. I want you to look at the text, and I want to encourage you and challenge you to be careful that you don't gravitate toward one of those two natural ways of thinking, those, those old nature ways of thinking. Jesus says, follow with me, verses 12 through 16 in John chapter 15, verse 12, Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Now, did you note how different this is from the world's way of thinking about love? Right at the outset, as Jesus begins to say, love one another, and in verse 13, greater love has no one than this. You know how different that is from the world's way of thinking about love? First, I want you to note the commandment given in verse 12, and then I'm going to show you four ways Jesus describes the kind of love he commands. But first, think about the commandment in verse 12. Look at verse 12 again. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, we noted it last time. Jesus is giving his disciples the instruction that they must abide with him. They must walk with him. They must abide in his word. His, his word must abide in them, and that abiding, more specifically, 
we've talked about this, this abiding with Christ and in his word and his word in us really looks like obedience. And you could sum it up in that one word. It's obedience to the teaching of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus says, back up to verse 10 for a moment. He says in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, do you hear obedience there, right? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And then now, verse 12 again, now Jesus says in verse 12, this is my commandment. This is my commandment. If you keep my commandments, verse 10, verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. I think it's interesting that that's what Jesus says when he says, this is my commandment. He doesn't say anything else. <laughs> it's this one thing, but what a big thing it is and how difficult it is at times to love like Jesus commands us, isn't it? Jesus says in verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So love is commanded. It's not a suggestion. Jesus did not say, take it or leave it. This is my suggestion. You might be good for you. You can think about it. Mull this over. Now yeah, you can talk about it with your wife or your children a little bit. You can talk about this with your community, you know, your, your small group or your Sunday school class or whatever. You think about this, okay? Here's, a, here's an idea. Love one another. That's just my idea. It's just You don't have to take it if you don't want to. That's not what he said, right? This is my commandment. Jesus, why did you have to say that? Right? In no way... And we need to get this clear in our thinking. In no way is Jesus connecting our love for one another with our feelings for one another. You see, there may be great feeling in your love. And you might love someone and say, I, you know, I, I have great feeling as I love them. And that's very true. You may have great feeling in your love for others, but the kind of love which Jesus speaks of here isn't based on feelings. So let's get that straight in our thinking here. This is dangerous territory if we think this is a feelings-based kind of love. Charles Swindoll says of this, the Greek word here is not the fickle eros or even the heartfelt philia, but agape. Agape often involves deep feeling, but it begins with a decision. Agape doesn't consider merit, and doesn't wait for inspiration. Agape is the kind of love exemplified by God, especially in relationship with his son. Moreover, the tense of the verb is present, which suggests repeated or ongoing action. Keep loving one another. And he says the quality of that love must be the same kind of, of the love as the love which we receive from Christ. He is our example and our standard. Well, I think he makes an important distinction here. It's not based on feelings, and this is something that we are to keep at and keep on doing. That's a very important distinction that we need to make as we move further into the text. When Jesus is commanding here of believers, and what he is saying here in commanding of believers is that they love one another. It's not if... Well, that maybe, it's not possibly, it's not, you know, you might think about this. 
He's commanding that we love one another, and we ought to remember that this love is to begin with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and it's to move from there to those who are not in Christ and those who are in the world who need Christ. So our love begins with our brothers and sisters in Christ and then radiates from those relationships and from our experience of loving one another and from this place and to the world around us. That's where it begins. But Jesus is not speaking of the kind of love that's based on how you feel about those around you. This is love that's based on a decision to obey. That's really important. Because you may not feel like loving, right? And there may be those who just, I mean, let's face it, there are people who rub us the wrong way, right? And there may be those in our families or maybe those in our neighborhood or even those in our church who we find it hard to love. But God doesn't say, through Jesus Christ, you say, if you feel like it, or when they do this, then you love This is a command to love with no strings attached. This is the love, this is a kind of love that's based on a decision to obey God. So a believer might think this way and and think properly this way. I'm going to love that person as unlovable as they are at times, based not on my feelings, but based on my love for Christ and my love for God and my desire to please Him and obey Him and shape my life according to God's Word. That'd be the proper way of thinking as a believer. We don't often find ourselves there. Sometimes we find ourselves going the other way and naturally going away from love, but that's where we need to be. We need to have this kind of thinking. I'm also going to keep loving them. I'm going to keep loving them no matter what they do, no matter what they say, no matter how they look at me. Just as Christ has loved me, and just as Christ keeps loving me in spite of myself, in spite of the fact that I still sin against God. That's how I want to love. That should be our attitudes. As God speaks to us through his word, and specifically here, as we're challenged with this command to love one another, that's the kind of thinking we need to grow in as we study God's word together. I'm going to love like Jesus loves me. I'm going to love, not because I feel like it, but I'm going to be obedient because God says love. And God's word says love. And Jesus commands love. Love one another. And this is not, we've seen it before, we've seen it earlier in John's gospel, but this is not exclusive to John's gospel. This is all over the place. Tonight when we come back, I'm going to share a a, Several passages, lots of passages where where it reminds us again and again and again in God's Word, love one another. Love one another. It's very clear. This is one of the most important lessons we can learn from God's Word as His people and as a church. I'm going to learn to love. I'm going to take steps of obedience to love one another because God says so and because Jesus loves me in spite of myself. Now, does anyone see a problem with that? And we might not argue with it, but we probably see that there's a challenge here, isn't there? This is easy to practice, right? Right? It's easy. It's easy to do this. No, it's not easy, right? It's not. It, we, the, this is difficult. Yeah, I, I'm confident that you could leave here this morning and say, I'm going to love like Jesus commands. I'm going to do it. I'm going to leave this place, and you're going to get in your car. 
and probably not much further, <laughs> and forget what we talked about, right? I remember going to church one place, which will remain nameless, not here, but I remember seeing people honking at each other in a parking lot when when people were in their way and they were in a hurry. And I was like, what's going on? You, you think you're at the mall or something. This is church. I remember being in a church and seeing people get up and leave while the pastor was praying at the end because they wanted to hurry and get out of the parking lot before anybody else got there. So we could easily go out and go, okay, you know, this is, you know, this is hard to get around in our parking lot or get out on the road or what about that crazy person driving too fast or, you know, or, you know, we could totally forget what we hear and what we see in God's word to love one another. So do you see a problem here? I see a problem here because this is not easy. This is very hard. It's not easy. And that's why God's word comes back to this truth more often than almost any other, that we're to love one another because it's not easy and we need reminders and we need challenges and we need to be convicted of this. Now let's admit it. The kind of love is not natural to our way of thinking. This is not the kind of thinking we naturally bring to our relationship because we naturally gravitate toward the kind of thinking in our relationships that serves self, right? Think back to your school days and when you were a youngster and when you were sweet on somebody. What did you do? Did you go, maybe you did, but, but if you're like me or anybody else, most of the people I'm guessing in this room, instead of going right up to that person you were sweet on and saying, I love you, and waiting for a response, instead you said to your friends, go ask so-and-so if they like me. Just go ask them. If you were all about loving the other person, you just go tell them. But you're, you want their love returned. You want to feel good, right? We're just kind of self-centered. We don't want to be hurt. And so we say to our friends, ask so-and-so if they like me. Just go ask them if they like me. You know, and then we'll go from there. If they like me, now ask them if they love me. Now ask them if they want to be my girlfriend or my boyfriend, right? Or maybe we put on a note, you know, do you love me? Check yes or no. I don't know. Who sent past that? I think that's a country song, actually. Um, Right? We did, maybe you did that. Why did you do that? Because you didn't want to have your feelings hurt. You were concerned about yourself, right? And that's just as basic at its root. We're self-centered in our love. And we are not others-centered in our relationships. We're thinking about what can I get out of this conversation, this relationship, this, you know, this, this instance. The kind of love Jesus commands is part of the new nature, okay? What we're talking about is what we gravitate to and what our old nature brings to our relationships, the self-centered kind of living. But what Jesus is talking about is what he makes possible by way of the new nature and by way of the Holy Spirit. And the new nature, not the old nature, is the one that can love like this. The old nature doesn't do this, can't do it. But the new nature in Jesus Christ, when you trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're given this new nature and this ability as you take steps of obedience to love in spite of how others treat you. See, the kind of love Jesus commands is part of that new nature, not the old, that new nature we receive in Jesus Christ. So even though this might not be the first kind of love that we're drawn to in and of ourselves, this is a love we can grow in. This is a love we can mature in. 
this is something we can see more and more in our lives as we take steps of obedience to the commands of Christ. So that's the command. It's just a simple, it's a very different and challenging, but it's just a simple statement. Love one another as I have loved you. So what should this kind of love look like in a believer? And to help us understand this kind of love, Jesus describes it for us in four ways. Here's the first one. This kind of love is self-sacrificing. And some of these things you've heard before, because God's Word talks about these things a lot. And you'll hear me say them again. If you keep listening to me preach, you'll probably hear me say them again and again. This is a really basic understanding of God's Word, and we see it here in verse 13. Look at verse 13. This kind of love is self-sacrificing. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Now, as Jesus speaks to the disciples at the time, they don't quite see what's going to happen next. He's talking about leaving them. But certainly Jesus has in mind here the kind of love that he's about to demonstrate as he is crucified, yet they don't see that. Now there's no greater demonstration of love than the sacrifice of Christ for sinners, right? I mean, no greater example than that sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for sinners. Later, as verse 26 points to here in John 15, the Holy Spirit is going to bear witness about the Son, and and no doubt uh, these kinds of things that Jesus taught them are going to come flooding back to their memories. He told us this. No greater, no greater love has no uh, greater love has no man than this that someone lay down his life. He talked about that, and there he was crucified. See, Jesus is that greatest example of laying down one's life for his friends. And and the Holy Spirit's going to bring that back to their thinking, and and God has graciously given us his word so that we can see this. See, giving one's life for another is an incredible demonstration of love, isn't it? And some of us may wholeheartedly say, I would give my life, my very life, for so-and-so. For, you know, and and we might name a few so-and-sos. And we might not say, I'd give my life for anybody. But we have a select few, and, and admirable, be able to say, I'd give my life for these people. But that's probably not what God's calling us to. <laughs> the likelihood of you having to give your very life for someone is very unlikely. Right? What God is calling us to is daily obedience in the small self, small areas of self-sacrifice. You see, giving one's life for another, that's an incredible demonstration of love. But it's not likely that you're going to be called on to give your life for any of the ones God commands you to love. But he is calling you to do something about what he says. He is calling you, and what he's calling you to is still something that you aren't prone to do unless you understand that this is an expression of love for God. This is an expression of love for the Lord Jesus Christ. When you obey his command and love one another, you might look at an individual and say, I, I can't bring it to my bring myself to love that person. They drive me silly, right? But it's not an expression of your love for them that you love them. It's an expression of your love for God in the Lord Jesus Christ and your willingness to obey God's word. And out of that love for Christ 
And following his example, you're going to put others first. And, and it may mean little things, and it may mean some very big things in your life. But I don't believe the likelihood is, is that the, the people that God is calling you to love, and he's convicting you about loving, as you think about this command, not likely he's going to ask you to give your life for them, but he is asking you to give up self. Are you willing to put others first? Which leads us to another defining characteristic of the kind of love Jesus commands. Number two, this kind of love is shaped by obedience. It's shaped by obedience. It's self-sacrificing. It's willing to put others first. And it's shaped by obedience. Jesus says, verse 14, You are my friends if you do what I command you. I want you to note that, that your obedience doesn't make you, this is an important distinction here, your obedience doesn't make you a friend of Christ. No, your obedience gives evidence that you are his friend. Okay, Because if we're not careful here, we might think, well, I obey and, and God loves me. And if I don't obey, he doesn't love me. I perform and he blesses. If I don't perform, he doesn't bless. He doesn't care for me. No, no, you are my friends. If you do what I command you, it's not Jesus saying, you obey and you'll be my friend. It's, it's no, your obedience is evidence that you are his friend. It, your obedience is evidence that you are the friend of Christ. In other words, your obedience gives evidence that you belong to Christ and that you are committed to following his commands and, and committed to his aims for you and for the church. So you love one another, not because it's easy, but because you are Christ's. Because Christ has claimed you for his own. He has paid the penalty for your sin. He has given you a new nature. He has given you his spirit. He has given you his word. You belong to Christ, and that's why you love. So you love one another, not because it's easy. You love because you've made the mission of Christ your mission. And you walk in obedience to God's word, and you seek to love one another even when it's not easy. You love because you want to please your Savior. You love not because necessarily that person is easy to love, but you love because you want to please God. And thirdly, this kind of love is also informed through fellowship with Christ. It's informed through fellowship with Christ. Note in verse 15 that the wisdom of God is made known to those who are Christ's. Verse 15 says, No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You see, a servant isn't given the wisdom of the master, right? I mean, the master doesn't take the servant aside and say, now I want you to go do this this afternoon, and here's why. Here's all this wisdom that I've gained, and you're going to understand this better if I explain it to you. No, the master says, go do A, B, and C, and come back and report to me when you're done. No questions asked. Kind of like the military, you know. When you're in the military, you say, what do you say when you're given a command? Yes, sir. And you go. And, and the best yes, sir, after that is the, the where, you know, they see the, your backside leaving to go do what they said to do, right? How important it is for us to understand that's not what Jesus does with us. He doesn't say, jump, and we say how high, and he says, you know, and then we just go do it. You see, the servant is, isn't given the wisdom of the master. No, no inside information for the servant like a friend would give to a friend. No, a servant is expected to serve without such privileged information, but not so for those who are Christ's. And this is important because 
When we say, I can't do this, I can't love that person, it's like shutting off the resources that God is giving you in His Word. Because He makes it possible, because He's given you the information that will inform your thinking to help you obey. You see, this kind of love is informed through fellowship with Christ. And if we don't have fellowship with Christ, the information, the truths, the blessings that are ours in God's Word will not be there to help us and encourage us and strengthen us and even convict us when we fail to love. You see, not so for those who are in Christ that they're, that they're servants. No longer do I call you servants, says Jesus, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Why? For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. See, that's why we're to read God's Word, right? That's why we're to do so with faith. We read God's Word and we're to do so with faith because as we do, God opens our hearts, and not only our minds, but He opens our minds to understand, and He opens our hearts to to claim those truths for ourselves and make them our own and to obey. And as we do, God opens our hearts as we open the Word to inform our thinking and challenge our growth. He opens our hearts and minds to understand the truth of the Word. Now, we may not get it all at one shot. That's why I love it when I hear people say, I've read this so many times, and I've read God's Word and I, so many times, and I've read it again, and when I came back to it this time, it, I, I don't know why I didn't see this before, but it's like God was speaking to me through His Word, and yes, He does, when you're faithful to put yourself in the Word and, and to read with faith. I'm not saying read with understanding. <laughs> read with faith, and God gives understanding. And how gracious of God to give His children the indwelling presence of God Right, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And you and I need the Spirit of God, and we need those truths of God shaping our hearts and minds if we're going to learn to love one another in obedience to the command of Christ. Because this kind of love that Jesus commands is not natural. It's not old nature natural. It's new nature natural. And the new nature is informed and equipped with the truths of God. So this kind of love is informed through the fellowship that we, that we enjoy with Christ as we inform our hearts with the truths of His Word and fellowship with Christ as we pray. And Christ's followers can love like Christ because they're informed by His Word and informed by the Spirit of God. And, that's, and that really is true fellowship with Christ. You want true fellowship with Christ? Then, then take advantage of His Word. Inform your thinking and let God shape your heart and shape your desires and your motives with the, with the truths of his word. There's one more characteristic of the love which Jesus commands. This kind of love is motivated by the mission of Christ. It's motivated by the mission of Christ. Not our mission. It's motivated by his mission. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. Now, whose mission is that? That's the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? And yet he makes his mission the disciples' mission, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And we talked about that last time, didn't we, when we talked about prayer and the importance of abiding in Christ and his word abiding in us because his word shapes our thinking and it makes our desires his desires. 
He shapes our desires so that they look like his desires because we're informing them by God's word. And note that those who are followers of Christ were chosen for the purpose of fruit-bearing. It says it there in verse 16, for the purpose of fruit-bearing. And that note, too, that this fruit is abiding fruit. Now, what kind of fruit is it that abides? Well, I think we're talking about here are those who come to Christ, those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the fruit that abides. He sees Jesus keeps those whom he saves. This is the fruit that remains. And that's the purpose for which Christ came, isn't it? I mean, why did Jesus die on a cross? To give us a great example to live by? No. Well, it is a great example, but that's not why he died. He died so he'd take the punishment for our sins so that we might be saved from our sins. So it follows that this is also what followers of Christ are to be about. We're to be about the mission of Christ. And this kind of love that Jesus commands is motivated by the mission of Christ, not motivated by our own desires, wants and wishes and mission. And Jesus says the way in which we're to live is to be defined by our love for one another. The way we live is to be defined by the love of Christ for us and by our love for one another out of obedience to him. How critical this is. How important this is. This kind of love that's motivated by the mission of Christ, this is so important. I don't think we can overemphasize the importance of this because we may witness to sinners in many ways, and we should. There will be many ways we're able to witness to unbelievers. But I'm convinced there's really no more powerful witness to the love of Christ for sinners than this, this command that Jesus gives that God's children love one another. Because we might be really effective in in learning methods of sharing the gospel with unbelievers, but if we don't love one another, those methods will fall flat. Paul reminds us of this, 1 Corinthians 13.1, with this sobering truth that, that, you know, we may speak with the tongues of men and of angels. In other words, I think, you know, you may be able to share the gospel and you may be able to do it really skillfully and you may be able to have these these ways of sharing the gospel that really speak to people's hearts, and that's important. But if we have not love, as Paul says, 1 Corinthians 13.1, if we have not love, we're just noisy gongs and clanging cymbals. And so Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Otherwise, we're noisy gongs and clanging cymbals. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, how convicting it is, how challenging it is. We realize, I think we understand that what you require of us is so far beyond our own grasp and strength. And so it causes us, I think, and I hope, to to stop right now and say, Lord, I need your help. I want to obey your word. I want to love like Jesus loves me. I want to love because you command me to love. And I realize that this is the foundation of my, my witness to unbelievers. And so, God, I pray that it is our heart's cry, the heart's cry of this church, and your people gathered here, that we would say, oh God, help us this week to obey your word. 
and grow in love, loving one another. Oh, Lord, help us to learn this love. Help us to learn the love of Christ. Help us to to be overwhelmed by it, challenged by it, and yet strengthened by it at the same time. Lord, help us to call out and cry out to you daily, throughout our day, asking for your wisdom and guidance. God, help us to make ourselves a part of your word and your word a part of us, faithfully trusting you as we read your word, allowing you to shape our thinking so that we might learn to love like Christ loved us, so that others might see Christ clearly, so that our witness will be powerful and effective and others might trust in Jesus Christ for eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.